0: They're playing
1: uh, all around we the world. The uh, uh. <laughs> to the beach,
0: you They're uh. playing uh, all around we the world. The yeah, all know. Basketball. George King is really uh, ruined to the be uh, his, uh, I think when he plays within himself and
2: makes the game simple. He's going to be a force to be reckoned with. I think Trojan Fletcher improved. I think Torrey Miller has made vast improvements from last year. Wesley Gordon's being aggressive like we've asked him to be offensively and rebounding for uh, ball. Josh Scott's Josh Scott. I mean, you know, Dom's stronger and
0: I think has made some strides uh, from last year. So I think a lot of guys like Xavier Talton's given great leadership uh, steadiness in the backcourt. Um,
2: so I think we've had improvement from every guy, whether it's returning guys. Thomas uh, and Cannon are both adjusting well. Thomas has made great strides over the last week or so. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with where we are.
0: Well, believe it or not, it is game week for the men's basketball program at CU. Adam Munster-Tiger, publisher of BuffStampede.com. Here with fan correspondent Tyler Ziskin and BSN Denver's Ryan Konigsberg. I The first preseason basketball practice I went to, I was walking up to the Coors Event Center going, gosh, it's just too early for this. But the second you hear those balls kind of bouncing and echoing across the floor, okay, I can kind of get into this a little bit.
2: For me, it's like they're – it- it has to be cold weather for me to think it's basketball time because it's, it's like indoors and, you know, instead of being out bundled up waiting for Mike McIntyre to talk at, at football practice, it's like, oh, you just get a night walk in and sit in the of Mountain Center and take your jacket off and sit down. That For some reason, the, the weather connects to basketball for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, as soon as you said the basketball's bouncing, I actually got goosebumps. I don't know why. <laughs> it's just one of those things. It's the greatest sound in the world to me, that and a ball going through the hoop, perfect swish. Oh, man, it just gets me. It, I love that stuff. It's been disappointing that I haven't got to see a practice yet this year. I really want to make that happen. Um, but, yeah, dude, I mean, I, I'm i ready for basketball now that I know that it's here because I love it. I mean, that's what I love. It's definitely my passion. But uh, it definitely stuck up on me a little bit this year. I think the football team kind of keeping it interesting for a little while there, you know, time kind of flies. Mm-hmm.
0: There's that small group of hardcore CU men's basketball fans that have been very vocal on Twitter this preseason. They're excited. But just that next fringe, the casual fan, doesn't seem like there's much or any excitement about this team and this season coming up. Do you think that's a byproduct of last season disappointing result, or more of just kind of the lack of, you know, expectations around this year's version? And they maybe they kind of go hand in hand a little bit.
1: Yeah, they definitely go hand in hand for me. Um... I think the most difficult part about last year is that the expectations were pretty high. I mean, we thought there was a lot of talent on that roster, and we found out pretty quickly that just wasn't the case. Um, that along with the fact that just the cohesion of the team. like Basketball's fun when the guys love each other. I mean, I, th- I think that's more so than any other sport. I mean, you can tell really quickly whether or not a team likes playing with each other, and last, year, watching that team last year was brutal, man. And you could tell they weren't getting along. There was no energy. It was tough. I mean, it, it makes it hard on the fans too because you, I mean, you can feel that. You can see it out on the court that they're not having as much fun as they were in years past. So that that makes it really tough for me.
2: Yeah, when you just said like there's a lot of talented players that turned out to not be talented, I like had just flashbacks of Dustin Thomas hitting the side of the backboard <laughs> from the corner and like uh, Jaron Hopkins dribbling it off his foot or something. Um, it was just a, it was a very it was it was hard to watch. It was hard to uh, get excited on game day that you're even going up to cover a game because it was just like, oh, what's going to happen this time, or what well, you know, yeah, what I mean, is possibly going to be exciting about this? But so I think really that's the number one thing that that is kind of bringing fans down is just how ugly last season was. It wasn't fun to watch at at almost any point where were the Buffalo's fun to watch, and I think that rubbed off on a lot of people. Think that you know aren't aren't necessarily big basketball fans. Mm-hmm. Um, they just, you know, they weren't impressed by the product last year at all, and it, and it hurt this year.
0: And, and Tad Boyle accepts that CBI invite, and I don't think there was a person that, you know, even the most diehard CU fan that was expect excited. We were all kind of like thinking after they got beaten in the Pac-12 tournament, hey, maybe this will be kind of it, and then they accepted that invite. I was like, we got to go cover more of this.
2: At least we got, like, the another storyline of a skia, not wanting to play, like it gave us something to write about for a couple extra weeks.
0: Yeah, it's like crazy. We said it back when it happened that it might, kind of changed his legacy at CUB because people will always remember the fact that he was not at least in the building to support his team the day they played in that CBI.
1: Yeah, it definitely changed his legacy for me. I mean, I was a pretty staunch, a a booker, um, defender, I guess I wouldn't say supporter, defender. Um, throughout the course of last year in his career, because I thought he did a lot of things for the team that nobody else was capable of doing, and I still think that's true. But how he went out really, really hurt his reputation for me, and I'm, I would assume for a lot of other people as well. And I think it's totally warranted, and it says a lot to the overall. You know, we were talking about this earlier that just the health of, the, how much everybody loves each other on that team. And I think that was just kind of the final straw, and yeah, that's what's going on here
2: more that, than anything else. I think Kesia will go down as one of the more interesting athletes I've ever covered. You know, Definitely I wish...
0: polarizing. Right. For sure. I'd
2: lo- I don't know. I'd love to be able to, to talk to him at length and kind of break down who a ski booker is because I, I don't know if people really understood how different he He's just a different different breed. And I don't know. I feel bad that he kind of had his reputation in that way, but I, I can't blame fans for feeling that way.
0: Well, we need to get a little bit more optimistic on this preseason podcast because uh, hope springs eternal this time of year. <laughs> Top three reasons to be optimistic – one of them's got to be the fact that Josh Scott is healthy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, that was a huge issue for them last year. Even when he was out on the court, he was a shell of his former self. Now, he did finish the season relatively strong and went through. He said he didn't even want to get into how much treatment he went into. It was could, could tell it was the, the scar was very fresh with him in terms of how frustrating last season was. But all indications are that back is not an issue going into the season, and so that's got to be the biggest reason for optimism. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, him healthy last year, he was really good. I think – The staff or whoever decided to kind of handled that situation really poorly last year because I don't think people really understood how hurt he was. If people had been more honest with how serious that injury was, I think people would have been a little more lenient on how he was playing because he was playing hurt for a lot of the year and really struggled. And as you said, that casual fan that doesn't really understand, oh, I'm going to go see Josh Scott today. He's supposed to be awesome. And then watching him play that way throughout most of the year was really frustrating for fans, especially since all they were hearing from the team was just like, oh, he's close, he's getting better, it's not that bad. I mean, he was really hurt last year, and I kind of wish that the staff had just taken that approach to be honest with the situation and say that he's really, really struggling. Um, I think that would have helped a lot how the perception of that entire thing went down for him. I mean, last year... As he got healthy, I mean, I wrote down in the stats here, he averaged 20 points a game and 10.5 rebounds. College big man, that's big-time numbers, last yeah. last seven games. I mean, if you can do anywhere close to that for an entire year, you're going to be hearing some all-American talk, even if even if CU's not that good. So, um, But if he can sustain that for an entire year, CU will be pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, I think if you can find a way to get him the ball enough to put up those kind of numbers in college, it's going to be a little unorthodox for what you normally see in college basketball, but we'll have a chance if he puts up those kind of numbers every single night.
2: Yeah, well, first of all, you're never going to get that from Tad Boyle, uh, which is honesty on injuries. Tad keeps it real on just about everything else, not injuries. He's not going to ever be uh, open on those. But uh, I think that, you know, that is the number one reason for optimism. And I think the number two thing that I've seen is something the opposite of what you talked about um, that kind of brought down your feelings about last year's team, and that's cohesion. Mm-hmm. Um, from all and I don't know if they're just lip service because they know it was such a big problem last year but from all accounts Tad has talked at length about how much he likes the chemistry of this team Um, and you can you can see it when you see them around you know it doesn't seem like there's anything holding them back Um, they have accepted Josh Scott as their leader you know he he said it at media day you know he's not gonna have a problem telling a guy if they're if they're screwing up and if there's an issue that needs to be addressed he'll address it and I think having that, it helps the whole team, and it doesn't make you know everyone looking over their shoulder, who's the leader, looking around. Um, that's good to see, and, and like I said, I think everyone's come together. Even the Europeans have, have meshed really well um, with, with
0: the whole team. Yeah, you know, it definitely seems like it's addition by subtraction. And not to say that Jerron Hopkins and Dustin Thomas were necessarily bad guys, but they weren't happy with their role, and so when you have two guys in your rotation that don't like their role. And another guy that's supposed to be a senior leader that's really not a senior leader that takes over games and everyone seems to defer to, it just is not a good recipe to have on a basketball team. You do see the team camaraderie is better and it's not just lip service because when practice ends, you still see guys joking around with each other a lot more. It just seems so much more natural for these guys to have fun around each other versus last year when it was such a forced deal. Um, Yeah, you touched on a point that I kind of wanted to
1: highlight. Last year, the team passed up a lot of open shots and kind of just deferred to Ski. I'm interested to see if that's because they didn't want to deal with how he would react, or if because they really just weren't comfortable taking big shots.
2: I think it was just easy for everyone to think, okay, Ski's going to shoot it, so
1: let's just... Give it to Ski. Yeah, but that you know, this year somebody's got to be able to step up and take a lot of open.
2: We passed up a lot of open looks last year. But also, there was a point last year where I thought to myself, "Well, Ski just dribbling around and shooting might be the best option for this offense." Right, right that's now. what you don't want. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: We can't have that happen two years in a row because we don't have a Ski to make plays this year. Exactly. So,
0: yeah, I would say another thing you could maybe say is just overall team experience as well. Um, Josh Fortune's a newcomer, but he's been practicing in Boulder for a year. Don Collier and, and Torrey Miller only have a year, but the rest of the guys have been around longer than that. Josh Scott uh, is, is a fourth-year senior. Wesley Gordon, a fourth-year junior. Treshawn Fletcher is now an upperclassman. Uh, just, you've got guys that have been – Xavier tolton has been in the system now for four years. You've just got guys that have played a lot of basketball in Boulder.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I, I think Trey has a, definitely an opportunity to take that next step. It seems like he's kind of been hampered with injuries the last couple of years a little bit. You can see the talent there. Um, in, in spurts, I'd like to see him have like maybe a five-game stretch where he really plays well because he seems like he feeds off confidence more than any of the other guys on the team. When he's feeling good, he can really play well, but when he's not really feeling that confident, it seems like he really disappears. So he's one guy that I'm kind of interested to see what this junior year, now he's upperclassman, what that does for him. I mean, um, one thing that maybe is a positive, maybe is a negative, I guess depending on how you look at it. To me, is that the team doesn't have any expectations. It seems like Tad has been really successful in that role. Uh, where he doesn't have to, you know, play flashy basketball. He can just go back to tad ball, rebound, and play defense. And it seems like that those kind of those are the teams that have been the most successful at CU. That really are really really good at those things. Last year's group was really not very good defensively uh, for the first time in a while, and I think that's part of what happened um, with the team. Um, so to me, I think that you know they're a little below the radar, and I think kind of Tad and the team likes that a little bit more. The expectations are a little bit lower. I think they feel like they can surprise some people this year.
0: Any other reasons for, uh, for optimism?
1: Uh, the one Tad Boyle saying that he was going to switch up the defensive philosophy a little bit and make people get into the lane, not leave as many people wide open for threes. I think that's really important in today's basketball. Three point shots become such a huge weapon for a lot of teams that I think making people run off that line and do something that they're not comfortable with will be big for the defense. Not to mention
2: Josh Scott and Wesley Gordon are both really good shot blockers. Yeah.
0: The fact that Tad Boyle says he's going to take the, the bull by the horns this year, is that something you could throw in the optimism side as yeah. well? I mean, he's clearly a, a good basketball coach, and I think the more involved he makes himself is, could only be a good thing. Yeah, I, mean, I
1: think there's been a lot of talk about whether or not he's a good game day coach. I mean, his rotations are at times frustrating, and he doesn't seem to make that many changes on the fly, but this year he seems to have been more open in changing his philosophy to kind of what the team needs. Uh, I think that'll be good for him as well. I mean, it's the first time in a while that he's re- his coaching has kind of had an impact on how the team does because they've been so good the last three or four years. I think maybe it was a little bit of an eye-opening experience for him last year. So I'm interested to see what kind of changes he makes in his philosophy. Yeah, as well. Yeah,
2: we said it was going to be a, a kind of a look-yourself-in-the-mirror offseason for Tad, and he was super honest in saying that that's exactly what it was, Um and he basically took you know said i was i wasn't good enough, we weren't good I wasn't good enough coach last year, so uh I think it took something like that for him, who's kind of a stubborn guy um in terms of his philosophy, to maybe say, okay, maybe I need to look at, at what we do and be a little more open to changing it
0: and um emphasis and it's not that the emphasis ever went away from defense and rebounding, but you can tell again that there's not a practice that goes by where that's not emphasized over and over again Mm -hmm. whereas last year kind of in the preseason all the talk was about how they were switching things up offensively and that's kind of where the talk was uh, surrounded around Uh, reasons for to be pessimistic about this team I'll I'll let you start here Tyler Um, the one thing for me is
1: I think the starting five is going to be the biggest concern I'm not really too worried about the guys coming off the bench first in college if you have three solid people off the bench traditionally you're going to be okay there I, I just think after Josh Scott, who's going to be that next guy that we can rely on on a consistent basis? You're really going to need that in in, in college basketball. One guy's not going to win you a lot of games. So the the rest of the starting lineup that you're going to see out there, we need to see some more consistency
2: from than we've seen in years past. For me, it's just, who's and it it kind of goes to what you're saying, but it's just who's going to score. Um, It's very easy in college basketball for the defense to take a big man out. You know, they can double Josh, and if you don't have someone else who can consistently get buckets, then you aren't going to score. And, and it's going to be very easy for teams to just say, you take out Josh Scott and the Buffs have nothing on offense. And it's not that I don't think there's players with the potential to do that. I think Josh Fortune can be a scorer. I think Dom can up his scoring load a little bit. And I think Wes can put the ball in the basket. But... It's will they. Will they be able to do it? and Will they be able to do it consistently? Because it can't be one of those things where every night you're spending the first half trying to figure out who, who's the yep. guy who can who can put the ball in the basket tonight. Yep. Um, so I, I would love to see Josh put 20 and 10 in, but there's no way that's happening if someone else is ha- ha- helping him out there where defenses only have to take one guy out. That's to me the biggest concern with this team.
0: Falling in line with what you guys said I had down here, there's a question mark with every player outside of Josh Scott on this team. And... There's so much turnover with college basketball teams year to year. You're going to have a lot of that with any team going into the season. But you'd still like to be able to look, to Tyler, to your point, to your top three or four guys or maybe even your start, your starting five and kind of know what you have in those guys. And they just don't have that outside of Josh Scott. I guess Wesley Gordon, you could kind of say that. But they're even challenging him that he needs to be more aggressive. So there's basically every guy, aside from Josh Scott, has got this lengthy list of question marks coming into the season. You hope you don't
2: know what you have in Wesley Gordon because – what we know of Wesley Gordon right now is that he he doesn't have the, the the determination to be that guy that we just talked about them
0: needing. Yeah, he's just not not naturally aggressive. So right. it's like he's got to get pushed and prodded every day to be that guy. Yeah. And talking with him, it seems like he's kind of letting that sink in a little bit because he says the days when he has a really aggressive practice, he noticed it benefiting other guys. So maybe it's starting to uh, sink in for him. We'll yeah, see. and
1: that's definitely the case. He is a huge X factor for the team. I mean, I would, the same vigor he took taking that outside jumper last year, Like he took that with confidence for a good portion of the year, and I like that. He's a, you know He can hit that shot. If he would do that under the basket, rebounding, everything, shot blocking, if he could just be like, this is what I am, this is what I need to be, I'm a physical, you know, I need to dominate. If he took that to his game, he would be a really good college player.
2: He just so far, he's hasn't done it, not even close. If he comes out these first two games even and does that, it'll make your feelings on this team a lot better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely.
1: We haven't seen Josh and him play well together at any point yet. Yep. So if you can make that happen, I think this team has a chance to actually really surprise some people.
0: Tell you said you had some stats to throw out for the for Yeah, the so I
1: mean the – We will hopefully you see that some of this stuff will change this year, but I mean, you talk about, so I talked about the defense struggling a little bit last year. They were 221st in the country in points allowed last year, 223rd in steals, and 231st in three-point percentage defense. (laughs) That's not Tad Boyle at all. You know? Yeah, not at all. That's not good. I mean, we don't, the Pac-12 is not really a crazy high-scoring league by any means either. So, I mean, you have a couple teams that are high-scoring, but those are bad numbers, um, obviously we talked about the three point percentage defense kind of that was, that's kind of emphasis for them, which based on the stats is good. You know, you want yeah. to see that, um, uh, they need to make some changes there, but yeah, I mean, I think if they can, you know, move that back into the, maybe the top 125 ish there, that would be really good in terms of, um, improvement there. And then obviously on the offensive side, they're 203rd in the country and three point percentage field goals offensively and 172% in field goal percentage overall. So those are numbers that need to improve as well. Um, The assist numbers are bad too, but that's just, that's what we do offensively. That's not gonna change dramatically, I don't think. Um, But just being a team that takes higher quality shots in general will improve those numbers. So that's kinda gotta be an emphasis for me.
2: Yeah, I think the other thing to be pessimistic is they're just relying, a lot of their success depends on guys taking big big steps forward and it seems like every time we say, oh, well, this guy needs to take a big step forward, it doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, and that goes back to looking at that sophomore class of, you know, Jerron Hopkins and uh, Trey Fletcher and uh, Dustin Thomas last season. It was like, oh, well, those guys, you know, they just need to take a, a step forward and this team will will be able to succeed. And obviously it didn't really happen. Trey was the best of the three, and he's the one that's still around. But to me, it's just it's such a slippery slope to say, oh, well, if these guys take a step forward, if Dom takes a step forward, you know, then they'll be, a, they'll be better. If Tory Miller takes a step forward, if George King, it's like too much if um, yeah. for you to be confident about the prospects of this team. Yeah,
1: I think we, because we cover football as well, we tend to forget that in football it's a totally different sport and that traditionally players get a lot better from their freshman to their junior to their senior season. In basketball, the studs are gone by their junior season. It's a much different sport. Either Most of the guys come in and you know right away this guy can play basketball at the college level or not, and we tend to forget that a little bit. You need to see a lot more impact from your freshmen if you expect them to be great players moving forward. I mean, you know, obviously there's the Frank Kaminsky's out there. Like, guys obviously do get better, but I think more often than not, most of these kids come into basketball ready to play right away, or it doesn't really work
0: out the way that you hoped. At the very end of the show, we're going to give our regular season record prediction uh, the reason I bring that up is it, it was a little bit more difficult for me to do that this year than previous years under Tad Boyle. I had, felt like I had a better feeling for what the team's potential was coming into previous seasons. Is this the, the, the Tad Boyle team that we know the least about in, in terms of prote- potential since he's been at CU? Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, I think mm-hmm. we either know the least or we're going to know the most about them. <laughs> <laughs> because if we see a whole lot of the same as last year, we're going to know what's going to happen pretty quick. So I mean, they could surprise us. Um, I, I think the the chemistry factor is what really leads me towards believing we don't know much about this team because I do think chemistry is such a big thing in basketball. Um, kids who like playing with each other are so much better than kids who don't, and I, I think that is such an important piece. So um, there there is a lot of ways this season can go, but it's I could also very easily see this season just continuing really on, really on from what we did last year as well.
2: So it, it, I'm I'm actually kind of excited to see where it goes. Yeah, I think a, a big reason that we don't know that much is because um, two people that we expect to be big contributors weren't even on the court for the team last season in George King and uh, Josh Fortune. So that's, that's a big thing because you know all, all signs are that those two guys are going to be huge parts of this team. Well, we don't really know that much about them. I mean, we saw George as a freshman and we've seen a clips of what Josh Fortune did at Providence, but Really, we don't know too much about those guys, so to me, that's the biggest thing, and I just don't think we know if Dom Collier, how much he was held back by Ski last year and how much he his confidence was kind of down, so did we know what we had in, in Dom Collier last year, or is it something totally different?
0: Well, usually we do our top buffs countdown, kind of spread that out in the weeks leading up to the season opener, but... The season opener just crept up so fast, we didn't get a chance to do that. So we're going to do that, include that as part of our preseason podcast here. And Ryan, Tyler, and I all ranked our top 11 buffs. Uh, we didn't include Derek White, obviously not playing this year. And we didn't include Xavier Johnson because we don't know if he's going to play this season. And we also didn't include the walk-ons. Um, we kept this to the scholarship guys that will be eligible and healthy for the season opener. There wasn't a lot of disagreement here, guys, just a few here or there. Um, at number 11 came in uh, senior guard Eli Stalzer. Eli, I haven't been to a ton of preseason practices. I've been to three. I haven't seen Eli at any of those. It's, again, it's kind of that music major where he's not able to be around practice a whole lot. It's hard, to be a, hard enough to be a college basketball player, and ten times harder if you're never around at practice.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's hard to imagine that he's going to get a lot of playing time. Only because he's, you know, he's not at practice. He's got other things going on in his life. It's it's almost a little surprising that he's still even with the team. It just seems like he's got his priorities on other things, which is totally okay, but it's hard to expect to play when you can only practice a couple times a week at the post.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, he'll get in there a couple times and do something cool that will make Twitter blow up, and <laughs> that'll be the extent of, <laughs> of Eli Stalter's career.
0: At number 10, is Kenan Guzanic, and uh, he's a guy that, Tad Boyle has said his struggle a little bit kind of acclimating early on to uh, Division One basketball in the United States coming over from Croatia. I think anything you get out of him is a bonus this season. I don't, can't imagine he's going to really be part of the every game rotation. Can they redshirt him? I think he already redshirted. Okay. Yeah, I think he missed last year, and
1: that was essentially his redshirt, if I remember correctly. Okay. I think one of his... I think he's ju- got three to play three. I think one of his Juco years was a retro year. Yeah. I uh, To me, he... Right off the bat, I didn't really expect a whole lot from him. It seemed, it seemed like he... From everything that we've heard, he's just not really ready to go. He's kind of a project. Um, So anything we get out of him, I think, will be a bonus. Yeah, I mean, he's a little bit of a shooter from what we've heard, but a lot, there's a lot more to basketball than just shooting.
2: Yeah, I think the first um, big step for him is to get into shape, and he hasn't quite done that yet, so... It's hard for, you know, coaches to rely on you when you're struggling to make it through a practice.
0: All right, moving along quickly here. Number nine, Tomas Akiazili. It comes in, and another reason I think Stalzer is last on the list, I think Akiazili is going to take any minutes that maybe Eli had in, in previous years.
1: Yeah, I mean, that would probably be the right way to approach it. I mean, he's going to be in the program for four years, and I think there's a little bit of potential there. Um, He's a really physical guard. Uh, I, I'm well, it, The thing for me is whether or not he's athletic enough to play at this level. Um, but I, I'm hoping that he gets a little bit of minutes out there and we'll see what we got from him. Yeah, I think
2: he, he has a chance to finish the season kind of the same way we did this football re-ranking. I think he has a chance to move himself up a little bit. Um, but it's one of the, another one of those just unknowns where we're not really sure what he can bring to Pac-12 basketball.
0: Now, it's pronounced Tomas, right? Is the correct pronunciation of They just call him Tommy on the team. They call him Tommy on the team. I've heard Boyle call him Thomas. The question is I don't think people are actually going to pronounce this guy's name right throughout his four years here. Yeah.
1: He can move up enough on this list, people will know how to say his name. That's (laughs) usually how it goes. Yes, exactly. We'll just call
2: him. I'm just going to call him Thomas. Thomas. It's a little easier to say. We're just going to Americanize
0: his name. (laughs) Yeah. All right. (laughs) Well, at number eight, uh, a little disagreement here. I had him uh, a, a spot higher, but is Xavier Talton at number eight on the list here? Um, I mean, there, there's a chance he could be your starting point guard. Nothing's been established quite yet. I mean, obviously, Ted Boyle has been very honest. We, they want Dom Collier to take that job, but he hasn't quite done that quite yet.
1: Yeah, which isn't exactly the greatest news I've ever heard. Um, here's, here's the thing. Talton, sophomore Talton, Pretty solid basketball player, reliable from the outside. Last year was a disaster. Um, whether or not that's confidence or something else going on, I mean, we need to see a lot more sophomore Xavier Talton than we need to see junior Xavier Talton because he's not going to get a lot of playing time if he continues to play like he did last year, most likely. To me, he's a pretty good wing defender, um, makes a couple big plays there, gambles a little too much, but overall pretty solid. And when he shoots open jumpers, he's really pretty good. For me, it's a confidence thing. He's got to shoot the ball when he's open. He's been pretty good at it in the past, and if and if that happens and if he shoots it at a high 30s, 40% clip somewhere in there, he'll be successful, and if if that's your eighth-best player, that's good. I mean, if he can get you five or six points a game, hit a couple of threes and you know guard somebody on their bench, shut somebody down, I mean, that's exactly what you want from your eighth man, but I mean, he's got
2: to be able to shoot the ball well. To me, I'd love to see him, use, he's he's athletic, I mean, he he has bounce. I'd love to see him turn that into some production at the rim. Because when, I mean, when have you ever seen, you know, XT take a ball into a big defender and try and make a play at the rim? I don't think I, I can remember it at all. Um, so if if he can just make those open shots, like you said, and then be able to just be a little more aggressive getting to the rim and do that efficiently, that'd be huge for him. But I think it, it's uh, it says a lot about this team, and it's a little scary, that someone has to play backup point guard and we're assuming that that backup point guard is Talton, and then he's all the way down at eight that's a little bit that's a little bit worrisome because that's going to be a decent amount of minutes
0: and if you tune in to the game at Iowa or versus Iowa State on Friday and he's in your starting lineup that leads to a whole no, another level of concern there's going to be a lot of grumbling from the fans I would think because
1: there, there are a lot of people that really haven't liked how he's played throughout his time here so I don't. I don't. I don't think there would be a lot of happy people on Twitter if he's the guy who's starting, especially because you, they've given every chance for Dom Collier to be the starting point guard, and if he can't do it based on how Xavier played last year, that's the alarms are going to be sounding.
0: At number seven is sophomore big man Tori Miller. Uh, according to Tad Boyle, a little bit more bounce in his step, a little bit more explosion, uh, explosiveness from him uh, in the preseason. Uh, a little bit stronger finishing around the rim, aside from just dunks. I mean, that was kind of the one consistent thing he did last year is dunk the ball. Uh, so it sounds like he's made another step as a player. But, again, like you were saying earlier in this, uh, Ryan, the fact that if, 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 if in like last year, there were all these expectations for certain guys to step up, and they didn't, and Tor- Torrey is, w- w- is in that boat right now going into the season.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've always loved Torrey as a player since the first time I saw him in Vegas. Um, but he, he did need to get a little stronger with his offensive game around the rim, and he needed to become more sound defensively. But, man, when you just look at him on the court, it's just it's a player that you need uh, to be a good college basketball team, just that big beast down there in the paint that you can kind of just stick in there and be a force. Um, and especially with the way tad Boyle's talked about them wanting to change that defense and force people into the middle, Tory Miller is exactly the guy you need to be in there um in your depth from a depth perspective. so um you I'm cheering for him because I like him as a guy and I like him as a player, so uh, you know you hope that he does he does make that step that tad I mean tad said he's the most improved player on the team. Uh, you can't see this, but I'm smiling
1: right now because I love Tory Miller. He's probably my favorite player on the team right now. He, um, to me, last year, honestly, I was worried about him coming in, whether he was going to have enough explosiveness to play in the Pac-12, and I think last year he already showed that he does. Um, so if he's taking another step there, that's really awesome. Um, he, defensively, he needed a lot of work. Uh, that was why he didn't get a lot of minutes last year, and you could see on the court he really struggled guarding, especially skilled big man. He really struggled with that, um, a lot of fouls, um, and just getting his feet in the right spot, keeping people off the block. But he is such a physical guy, you know, I mean, he's... He's either going to foul someone hard, make him think about coming to the rim. You know, send your shot into the thirteenth row. Have a big dunk that keeps the crowd going. Those are the kind of guys you need on your team to really, you know, because the crowd energy can be so big in in a, in a run. And if he, you know, makes a couple of plays to get the crowd going, it that those are how you win games sometimes. I mean, sometimes it really is just one big run in a basketball game can be all the difference. And I think he's one of the lead guys that can make that happen. So to me, he's a really important piece of the team.
0: All right, moving along here at number six is George King. I mean, we talked about all the question marks with guys. He might have the highest ceiling or lowest, you know, basement, not knowing (laughs) quite what he's going to bring to the mix. You can tell Tad Boyle is super excited about him coming into the season, and uh, it sounds like he's done everything this preseason to really kind of battle. I think we all expected Treshawn Fletcher to be the starting three, but, I mean, there's a good chance George King takes over that spot.
1: Yeah, I think that would be good. Honestly, I mean, if someone can outplay Trey, that that means you have two guys that are really solid, I think. That would be good overall. Um, th- th- what people think about King is he's people probably have the most varied opinions on what he does because people really love offense and basketball for the most part, and that's obviously what he can provide for you. But at the same time, like he's so hit or miss on so many things, it's hard to really rely on him. For me, yet, um, I, I, w- I would love to be proven wrong there. Uh, he's got a lot of athletic abilities. He's another big body, pretty good vertical athlete. Um, it t- seems like he's a pretty decent shooter when he's wide. When, you know, when he gets set, set he's his a better shooter than
0: away. I. He thinks he's a better shooter than he probably <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah. well, <laughs> right. So, I, yeah, he's that's
1: a basketball. Player, that's kind of right? that's kind of the concern, though, right? I mean, I will, no. I mean, honestly, on this team, I'll take a guy who th- who <laughs> thinks he can shoot over a guy who won't shoot that can not shoot. I, I will take that. So. Um, for me, I think it's just more consistently. He's got to stay out of foul trouble, can't have five turnovers, stuff like that that he's proven to do in the past. Um, he's got to be a smart basketball player and make the right basketball plays, and I think he can help.
2: Yeah, I, it's so hard for me to buy into uh, the George King hype just because so much of what Tad Boyle wants to do is defense and rebounding and just you know moving through the offense. And Tad can put a guy in his doghouse so fast when he, does, when he doesn't do those things. And that's what happened to George King his freshman year, Um, and I'm totally of the belief that in two years, you know, you can change a lot as a basketball player. But it's it's really hard for me to, you know, get on the side of a guy like Brian Howell who thinks that he's going to average double digits, and he he wouldn't own up to it. But I'm pretty sure he was around 15 points at one point this off season that he thought that he thought. And I just I can't go there. Um, He's he's not going to be a consistent shooter. It's just, it's not going to happen. But I think where he can really, really help his team is uh, rebounding the ball. He's such, he's an instinctual rebounder and he has such big hands and he can jump. He, you don't have to, you know, be able to be, you don't have to have any skill to rebound. You just have to be able to go do it and want to do it. And it seems to me in the, in the limited minutes we saw from him as a freshman, what you see in practice, he does have the want to rebound. So I think, you know, behind the two big men, um, definitely behind Josh Scott, but I mean, he could even be second on this team in rebounding.
0: Yeah, I've I've said that if he just focused on defense and rebounding, he'd be a guy that became a would become a fan favorite overnight. I understand your point, Tyler. You somebody's got to shoot the ball and score the ball offensively, but I just I don't feel like that's his strength as a basketball player. Another thing that I think he really struggled with his first year was just basketball IQ. It didn't yeah. seem like yeah. he knew where he needed to be at certain times. And I would think that's the one thing from red shirting and kind of maturing in that sense, you'd hope to see the biggest strides for him is to be a seamless piece in that offense where he looked like a disjointed piece out there a yeah. lot during his first year.
1: I will say that if Brian Howell was right and George King averaged 15 points a game, this team will be in the tournament, so... He
2: dialed it back to just ten. <laughs> that's weekend. That's a but. large jump. First yeah. of all. Well, I, yeah. second of all, I, that's I don't know if he ever actually said that, but I really think he did. I, I'm pretty sure he did as
1: well. Okay. I'm pretty sure I was there when it happened. But either way, if they if he averages 15 points a game, you'll see this team in the NCAA tournament. I feel pretty good about that. <laughs> yeah. It's however not going to happen. So,
0: I mean, would you? Should we talk about me winning the lottery? That's tonight, right. Or? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Moving along here, number five is Dominique Collier. Gosh, another guy with just big question marks. Uh, we all want him. He's He certainly has the potential to be a quality Pac-12 starting point guard. But does he have the confidence to take that and in, in, in live up to that? I don't even know if it's a
1: confidence issue for me. I was, I was hard on Dom last year because the expectations were high, and I really – it's not how he played. I just – it's – not the stats, but just how he was playing, that was the biggest concern for me. I, I just don't see a whole lot of explosiveness out of his game that leads me to believe that he's going to be a dominating Pac 12 guard at this level. Um, he looked much quicker to me in high school, I thought. Uh, you know, the only times he was successful scoring in the paint, he was throwing up some crazy prayer, it seemed like, a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't hitting wide open shots from the perimeter, he's really flat on his three point shot. So, I was really concerned, honestly. I mean, I was about as hard on him as anybody last year, for sure. Um, well, you're haters. So. Yeah, exactly. Big time. <laughs> um,
0: I can't wait till we get to number one yeah. on this list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So, um, yeah, I mean, to me, he's, he's, gotta, he's almost got to be a more cerebral point guard, which I don't think is really his natural basketball instinct because he's not a tremendously athletic guard, at least compared to what we saw last year, he's going to have to find ways to get other people the basketball, which is fine. He's a point guard, you know, but he's got to have that mindset and he's got to be able to hit the open threes because last year there, everybody was lagging off of him and he couldn't hit it. If, if he can be a solid three-point shooter, get into the paint and create for other people, he will be a very quality point guard. But he's got to get that into his head because he's not athletic enough
2: to make plays at the rim and do the things that he was trying to do a lot of the time last year. Right? Yeah. I ranked him higher than, than any of you guys. I had him all the way up at three. And I think it's because I think he does have the capability to just be a point guard, just be a pass-first point guard. Um, he is a gifted passer. He does have good court vision. Um, so if he's able to use his strength just to be able to get by, you know, get by his man and get in the lane, I think he can create a ton for Josh Scott, Torrey Miller, Wesley Gordon, um, Josh Fortune in the corner, uh, which is where you really want him. I, I think, to me, that gives me the most hope about Dom. And, and I think, you know, with, with coaching and with Rodney there and, and with Tad just kind of, you know, guiding him along, I think he can become that point guard that, who's just, you know, he's just a point guard. He, mm-hmm. he does what he needs to do to be the quarterback of the offense. Um, and I have, I have a good feeling about him being that player this year.
1: Yeah, I, I will say that if he does end up being the third best player on this team, I think we'll be very happy
0: with where this season goes was talking about George King and how he didn't really have the basketball IQ coming in. That's obviously something that Dominic Collier has. But he doesn't have the vocalness that Tad Boyle is really trying to get out of him. How much can you really force a guy that's not naturally vocal to be vocal? It's tough. I mean, you've seen it a little bit with Josh,
1: but it took four years to get there. Um, And and the thing about Josh, he's one of the best players in college basketball, right? So it's a little bit easier to be that guy. I mean, Dom has got to be successful on the court before I think people are really gonna start buying into his leadership.
2: Yeah. He's he's not gonna be that guy unless he becomes a great player. Um it in it's just one of those things that goes hand in hand. When you are leading the team on the court, it's very easy for you to lead the team off the court and in the huddle because, you know, that you know you are more confident in them listening to what you have to say. Um, and that's what what's happened with Josh and so Dom, it's really, really, it's good. he admits it. You know, he's, It's really hard for him to, ha- to take that mindset. And for this year, I don't think he's going to have to, but he's going to have to start learning to become better and better at it.
0: At number four on the list, we I think we're all, all in agreement here with Treshawn Fletcher in this spot. Um, he was a guy that when he did shoot the ball last season was pretty effective in mm-hmm. terms of his shooting percentage. At times in the past, it's been a confidence issue with him. He claims that he's over that and that uh, he's not letting a missed shot affect his play going forward. Defensively, he's got the ability to be a really good uh, defender on the wing. Just so much to like about his game, but it just hasn't really gotten put all together yet.
1: I think he's the most important player on the team this year. You you have to have, whether he's the third or the fourth guy, he has to be more reliable than he's been in years past. Um, He really is a very quality shooter. He's got great mechanics, but you can see out on the floor when he's not comfortable. It doesn't take much. Like it's in his body language, and your defender can see that too. And the, the other bench is going to know right away. Don't guard this kid. He's not. He doesn't. He doesn't want the ball right now. And that can't happen this year. He's at worst the third or fourth best player on this team. He's an upperclassman. He's got to start being a confident player all the time. He's got to make impact plays for this team every single game. He's not a freshman anymore. It Can't be one out of five games. You know where you're still able to learn. It. It, it, the time is now for him, and I think if he has if he has a good year, averages somewhere eight to ten points a game. Once again, I think we'll be very happy with where this team ends up.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it's another one of those needs to take a step forward situations. And um, I remember I did a sit down interview with Josh Scott last basketball off season, and he said Trey, Sean Fletcher was the most improved player on the team back then, um, and it didn't necessarily trans translate to last season you know he wasn't he didn't take that big jump that he could have um, this season you talk to players again they'll say Tory Miller or, or Trey Fletcher as their guy who's been the most improved so maybe in this offseason he did get over that hump but it's hard you know or maybe he's just an offseason all-star you know you never know so uh, what's well, encouraging
0: that if you ask Treshawn Fletcher who the most improved player is he says himself oh that's, well that's good that's good <laughs> good for he's him. got that confidence
2: yeah no so I think like like Tyler said, they need him. They need him to be a confident shooter. They need him to uh, to be able to slash a little bit.
0: Finish um, finish better around the rim. Finish better. Yeah, I don't
1: I don't know how what Tad you know what what Tad does with all the coaches. But if I was coaching this basketball team, I would be next to Trey every day, telling him how much we needed him.
0: He did uh, have an ankle injury and was held out at the very beginning of preseason practices. And even uh, as of like a week and a half ago, it wasn't he wasn't at a hundred percent. But he thought by the time the season tipped off that he would be. At 100%. Um, jumping into the top three here, a guy that's never uh, played in a game for the Buffaloes yet, is uh, Josh Fortune. Uh, you, it's easy to pull up the uh, the clips of him against St. John's and go, okay, this is going to be a welcome addition to the offense. But it's not like he played like that game every game, obviously, mm-hmm. that, that last season at Providence. But there's certainly a potential there. Um, and it's not this overbearing type of Personality on offense that you saw with the Skia Booker. I think he will get his shots and his points within kind of the framework of the offense.
2: Yeah, I had him rank lower than you guys. Um I had him down at five. And to me it was just Um I, I think in an offense where you don't have to ask too much from from Josh Fortune, he can be really good. But I'm afraid of this offense, like I said, when Josh Scott is catching doubles. And no one else is putting the ball in the basket. I'm afraid that this offense could ask too much from him, and that's where he's not going to have success. He, you, you can't be asking him to score off the dribble too often. Um, you can't be asking him to do too much. If you just, if you have him sit in the corner and have your guards create for him, and all he has to do is knock down those shots or pump fake and make make a pass, you know, then he's going to be successful. But I'm just afraid of this offense asking too much of him, and when he starts to force, it's gonna it, it it's not conducive to the way he plays basketball.
1: Yeah, I think for me, um, he's consistency is gonna be the biggest issue for him from what I've seen. Um, but I don't think it's gonna be on the level of Skia Booker, which I think is good. He's much bigger. He can help on other ways. He's a willing, um, you know, he'll he'll go in and guard a little bit. He's he's gonna rebound, and I think he can make a, a little more plays than maybe people are giving him credit for off the dribble. It'll uh, well, be interesting to see once you get him in game action how that goes. But in the limited time that I've seen him, mostly last year, um, I was pretty high on what he can do. Um, to me, he's when he's, unlike a skier booker, when he's off, he'll find other ways to make basketball plays or at least won't make plays that punish the team. So I think from that perspective, that's going to be much better. He's not as quite a dynamic scorer as Ski is, for sure. But I, I think he'll, he'll, be, he'll, ha- he'll average an inc- inconsistent 10 points a game. So he'll have a couple of big games, maybe be a little quieter on some other days. But I think he'll help you in other areas of the box score that Ski wasn't able to in the past.
0: All right, number two, Wesley Gordon. You know, uh, his efficiency when he's aggressive is off the charts. It, it is alarming, though, and disconcerting that he's number two on this list. Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, I looked down at the list you gave us, and I, I instantly you know, wrote in who we, who we all know number one is, and... Then I kind of had a long stare and then a sigh, just of like, who is number two? Because it seems like two, you know, two through five, is all guys that we like. You said we don't know. We don't know exactly what you're getting from them, and so that that's concerning. I mean, Wesley Gordon, talent-wise, I think he does belong it to, but it's all the questions that we've had with Wes um, from his, you know, his aggressiveness to his just being there mentally night in, night out uh, is concerning.
1: Yeah, I mean, I tried really hard to not put Wes at number two, honestly. I mean, he's he's been a big frustration for me, but it's not because he's a bad basketball player. It's because when he plays really well, he's a phenomenal basketball player, and you don't get that from him every single night, whether it's he's not mentally there or, he, you know, it's just, it's hard to say with him, but I mean, I brought in a lot of people who don't watch the U basketball to basketball games. And the one thing that someone always says is, man, number one is lollygagging around. Like, what's his deal? He looks Part of like that he's is his good. mannerisms. Right, exactly. Yeah, it is for sure. But you've but when you're like that, you can't follow up with it by, you know, disappearing in games. Um, so it's, it's oh, he's just so frustrating because when he plays well, it's beautiful basketball. So fun to watch. He's another crowd starter. Um, but he, no one disappears like Wes. I mean, like, he can absolutely not be an impact player on both ends for long stretches of basketball games, and it's so disappointing because he has the capability to be a really, really good player.
0: People forget back in high school, I mean, they were neck and neck in terms of talent. I mean, between Josh Scott and Wesley yeah. Gordon, I mean, their teams would go head-to-head, and, and there was not a huge difference in terms of talent between those guys. And they're probably, I mean, talent-wise, there's, there's I mean, it's, it's, there's been a bigger gap, I think, in the last three years, but still... The problem with Wesley Gordon, none of it has to do with his talent. It's all right. between the years yeah. and effort and all mm-hmm. that stuff, um, which, to your point, Tyler, is pretty frustrating. Mm-hmm. What, what, is, what is his ceiling if he actually shows up every game with kind of the mentality that he's going to be aggressive?
1: Ooh, that's tough. I
0: mean, I think he could be one of the best
1: defensive players in the Pac-12 if he showed up every single night. Um, I'm not going to say he's an NBA guy because he's small. Uh, it, he, there's not really a position for him in the NBA. Uh, he's not like Andre, who's also small, but anyway, he's, yeah, he, he can guard wing defenders in the NBA. Wesley Gordon is a quick defender in college, but he's not guarding a three in the NBA. So I, I'm not sure he's going to make the NBA, even if he blows up. Uh, he's just a tweener in that way. But he could be a, get paid a lot of money in Europe if, if it turns on for him, for sure.
0: You better watch out, Tyler. He might dress up you as you for Halloween next yeah, yeah, year. this is a common theme. Yeah. <laughs> it's a common
1: theme for me, I guess. I,
2: yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, Wesley Gordon is the last player on this team that I'm willing to say is not going to be like he was in the past, if you know what I'm saying. I, I, I just don't see it. He's not going to be there every game. He's just not. I mm-hmm. There's just no way in my mind I can see Wesley Gordon being mentally a- attached 40 minutes a night for the entire season, I just, I, there's nothing in me that believes that will happen. Yeah, my biggest
1: trouble, I, I mean, I, I put him at number two, but to me, until I see him be a performance impact player next to Josh Scott on the court, I'm not going to believe it's going to happen.
0: Well, number one on the list, of course, is Josh Scott. I mean, this is uh, obviously a no-brainer. Uh, the only question mark with him is his back, but it, it doesn't even seem like that's an issue. Um, I guess the other side of things is, if teams really decided night in and night out that they're not going to let Josh Scott beat them, that that could become an issue as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was a little bit better out of the double team last year, but that's something he's still got to work on because it's, he's going to see a lot of it, especially with Gone. I mean, now he's really the only guy that I think opponents are keying on in film right now. You know, you, you'll let anybody else besides Josh Scott t- get the ball on this team right now. Um, I mean, I've said countless times, despite what he says in his Halloween costumes, that he's one of the best players in the Pac-12 and easily the best player on our team. Um, you know, I, I, I guess I won't go too too much more into that. But I oh, mean, we're going to we're mean, gonna get into that yeah, in a minute. I, I figured. Um, <laughs> that's, I don't know. To me, he's if he scores 20 points and 10 rebounds a game like he did at the end of last year, it's going to be a really fun season. Obviously, that's not going to happen every single night, but I do think he's capable of doing it on a lot of nights. He's a really talented basketball player. If he, the thing, the big thing that I would like to see him improve on this year is finishing around the rim. Uh, he doesn't get above the rim very much on a lot of his post moves, which, you know, it's difficult to finish obviously from below the rim in the Pac-12. Um, he's got to get more and ones. He gets a lot of fouls. So if he was able to actually finish a couple of those easy buckets around the ring, I mean, last year I remember going nuts because he finally got an and one, and it seemed like he never
2: gets one to go down. We were joking that, like, at one point last season, that as soon as the whistle blows, just a lid goes over the basket for <laughs> Josh Scott. Yeah, he just can't get it to
1: go in. Those, those would be the big ones, because those are the big plays. I mean, three-point plays keep you in basketball games or time and time again. Um, and you know he's a really good free throw shooter as well. So a lot of the time that those are going to go in. I mean, those are the type People of things that over the course of game. He actually
2: went through a long stretch of struggling at the free throw line. Yeah, last in the year. beginning, in the middle of the yeah. year. I
1: mean, I would assume back issues mm-hmm. again. Yeah, possibly. Because it's all about being comfortable at the line. Mm-hmm. So,
0: Josh Scott told me uh, in the preseason this year that uh, he worked on his per- his jump shooting a lot more. He feels like he's going to want to play further out from the hoop more this season. You, you don't buy into that, Tyler?
1: I don't like it. He's okay. really good in the post. He's got yeah. some of the best post moves I've ever seen. His feet are tremendous, and he's got an awkward jump shot. He just I, does. I think he's not,
0: but it goes in a good percentage of the time.
1: I think does when, it go in more than he, when he's four <clears throat> feet away? I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's okay to be to be
2: better from
1: there.
0: but I wanna see, you want to see him on the post. I
2: right? want to see Josh Scott on the perimeter only when he's trailing a, a transition. Uh, you know, a, tra- uh, a fast break. They don't get it. If they kick it to Josh Scott at the top and he can knock down yeah. the trail three, that's great. But you don't want you don't want to see Josh Scott, you know, pulling out and just standing around around the perimeter for any stretch of the game. Yeah, if we see Josh Scott coming off double screens for
1: wing
0: threes, <laughs> we're gonna have a long year. All right. Well, we got to get into this, Tyler. Yeah. Good. <laughs> So Josh got dressed up, uh, kind of as himself on Halloween, I guess you could say, and yeah. he had a message for you, Tyler. Yeah, on Twitter, uh, he wh- did.
1: Well, I mean, I don't, I didn't really see it outside of him telling me that it happened, but supposedly <laughs> I was, I was a buff in quotation marks, and I was a hater. You didn't see is, the actual picture. I, I saw it, it. Someone showed it to me on their phone, but I didn't look at
2: it on my computer or anything, so okay. I didn't read out I, I couldn't read what it said. It, they it said, just told me what it said. it said. It said since all my haters want to be me, I am me for Halloween. Shout out at Buff. Yeah, and then the
1: tagline. Did you gain line, some followers The from ta- that? <laughs> Maybe a couple. The tagline was it was from Xavier Johnson's or Instagram. Xavier or, yeah, yeah, sorry, Xavier Talton's Instagram or whatever. And he said, like.
2: When you're hated by. Happy Halloween, Hall- quote, happy
1: Halloween from almost every buff or something. Yeah. Is, is what Josh put on Facebook. I don't know.
2: But yeah. I,
1: it's funny. Like, you know it's obviously it's funny but at the same time it's kind of annoying because I'm far from his biggest yeah. hater well I mean, the thing is if I'll give him I'll give him my passcode to buffstampede.com, and he can see what really what, what who was it last year someone said that they'd rather have Josh Adams than Josh Scott on their basketball team that was a thing posted on buff Stampede last year good and I went, went on a Twitter and about it and that's how me and Ryan got in trouble for ta- bringing posts to Buff Stampede on Twitter oh uh, yeah That yeah. was the beginning yeah that was when that happened and it's just like Yes, am I hard on you at times? Yes, I'm very honest. I say great stuff when you do good things. I say bad stuff when you don't. My thing and is, if, do I cross the line occasionally? Probably. So, but it, but like, dude,
2: my there's thing is, no way I'm I'm the worst person out there. If if Tyler Ziskin is your is Josh Scott's biggest critic, he has it very easy. Like, go play at Kansas and then go look at your mentions if you have an off game. Yeah, and and. By and large, I've said great stuff about
1: him. I mean, I've written a lot of articles about him, put him first-team all-conference since he was a sophomore year player and was defending him all last year when he was clearly paying hurt and people were angry about it. And to have Xavier Talton in there as well, who I'm pretty sure I'm the only person who's ever supported Xavier Talton on a consistent level. (laughs) 'Cause most people have been not happy with how he's played since he's been here. I'll
0: never forget and, when he broke out as a sophomore. We we would you would be sitting courtside. Yeah, yelling playing. at Will Whalen <laughs> because he was playing well. So
1: I don't know. It's you know, it's one of those things that like it's funny and it's I'm not think about it too much, but if they really think that I'm their biggest problem, like they man, I don't know what to tell you.
2: Yeah. I really didn't I know that, you know, Zisk er, sorry, that uh Josh Scott, like he know he he's doing it as a joke. It just really bothered me that they they put Buff in quotation marks because, like, Tyler is, is the biggest Buffs fan there is. So, like, it's like a coach who's extra hard on you in practice because he knows you can be better. That's like Tyler. He's extra hard yeah. on Josh because he expects good things out of yeah, Josh because he knows he's i a brutally honest guy. I mean, I understand that. Like, I know that I'm polarizing
1: and sometimes I say stuff that pisses people off. Like, I'm not – I know that that happens. But to have taken it to this level... and let's, I haven't talked about basketball since March. Yeah, it is October.
2: It, what I told Tyler is I think it was just a lazy costume.
1: Yeah, and it's like, it is October. Like, that is a long-standing grudge that you, you've been sitting on this for, like, six months. It's like, you know, whatever. You I mean, opened
0: up a little bit, though, Tyler. <coughs> I
1: feel like you've had a lot of passion
0: in kind of defending well, I yourself always, I always
1: have. I mean, I just... The thing is, I've never said... I don't, like, want to hurt people's feelings. I say stuff honestly... The, I mean, the, the one thing that I know that pissed him off in the past is that I said he wasn't an NBA player, and here he is as a senior playing college basketball. Like it's okay not to be an NBA player. I just said that he wasn't when other people said that he was. I mean, it's I'm sure he wants to be an NBA player, but even even if everything goes perfectly this year, he's going to be a second round pick. He's going to have an unguaranteed contract, and he's going to have to try to make a roster spot from there. I mean, he's not going to be a first-round pick. It's not happening. He's not that type of athlete. So if I mean, if that frustrates you, that's good. I mean, I want you to work harder, obviously. And I, it's not like I don't want him to make the NBA. I
2: mean, this goes back. This all started with people saying like Josh was going to leave after his sophomore year, and And I was like, no, slow your roll. Yeah,
1: Yeah. and he's he's not that type of player. That's how I feel. There's no really other way. I'm not going to apologize for it because it's not. That's not changing. I hope he makes the NBA and plays ten years. I hope that I'm wrong. But right, that's just how I feel right now. Yeah. Is that he's not that guy? Simple as that.
0: Well, I mean, I think most great players have people that they use as motivation. So if you can be that yeah. for, for Josh Scott, I will
1: glad. gladly be the reason this team makes the tournament. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> all right, well, I think there's not going to be too much disagreement here with in terms of building our starting five because we were pretty much in agreement in terms of our um, you know our top buffs countdown. I guess the one question mark is does. George King or Trayshawn Fletcher start? And then is there any question whether Dominic Collier or Xavier Talton start?
1: Uh, there isn't for me because I think even if it's close, Tad is going to give it to Dom because he needs him to be the guy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. to, so
2: to me, that I would be very shocked if Xavier Tal- Talton comes out there. I think it's going to be one of those things where Tad says, you're the starter, go prove it. And if he doesn't? Then they'll talk about you know making changes, but uh, I think to start the year they're going to give Dom a chance to be the guy.
1: Yeah, the, the Trey-George um, King thing, I mean, that's, to me that's not as big of a deal. I think they're both going to play a lot of minutes. I think they're kind of interchangeable in that role. Uh, they might change it up a little bit based on matchups. Um, so to me, I, I hope that neither one of them are too disappointed because I think both of them are going to play 20 minutes a
0: game. Trayvon Fletcher. When I asked him if it would be important to start, did the politically correct thing to say well, he'd do whatever was, you know, right for the team. But he did kind of say, you know, I'm a junior now. It's it's. It needs to be my time to step up in that role, so you can tell that. Mm-hmm. I think he would be not necessarily in a detrimental way, but just in kind of an internal way, would be obviously very disappointed if he's not. Yeah, the starting three, he he seems like a guy who needs that confidence a little
1: bit more than George. Too. I, think I think so. I think George too. has been in that role as being a bench guy. I think he's a little more comfortable there than Trey would be. So to me, that would be the choice that I would make, assuming they're pretty similar. In and George
0: King can be right kind now. of more of a change of pace guy. And sometimes right. you like to get those guys. Well, off and the bench. they're
2: gonna need someone who wants to shoot the ball on the second unit, so. And that could be, you know, that could be George. I I think, yeah, I think it has to be Trey, again, at least to start the season. It's almost like George, to me, almost feels like you're bringing in a freshman. And you're like, all right, we want to make sure he's going by conference play. And, like, maybe you you have that conversation all over again when conference play arises and you say, okay, look, George is playing great. He rebounds the way we want him to. He plays defense the way we want him to. We can't keep him out of the starting lineup. But to start the year, I think you go with the guy that has more more experience and, and um has played in big games. I mean, they're starting the season in a big-time game. Like, they're playing the number seven team in the country. Uh, you, you don't want to have anyone have cold, cold feet or any uh, uncertainty when they go out there on the yeah. court.
1: This conversation is really making me realize, just like, it's just a reminder of how much I love basketball. Like, I, it, you don't. Know, I, lo- I like football, too, and, I, and I'll get interested, but... Just the tone of my voice right now, I can feel is just more excited. I just love basketball. You go to the games and you like can see what the plays actually mean, what people are screwing up defensively. Like that's I can do. You know, it's just a different level of knowledge about basketball. So it's really exciting for me to get back into it.
0: Well, I'm excited that you're excited. Tyler.
2: <laughs> I just hope hey. there's like there's good atmospheres in the Quarters Event Center this year, because that's the coolest thing for us as media is we're actually in it. We're like right in the thick of it. So as opposed to like a football game, yeah, like the Oregon game was loud in a couple points But we're still way up and away from it. Like when it's loud in the course of end center, like I, you can't, we couldn't talk to each other. You know, it, it gets so loud, you, it's just, you got to look at the court because everything around you is just mayhem, which yeah. is cool.
0: In terms of a rotation, I'm now foul trouble can happen in certain games, obviously, injuries can occur throughout the course of a season, but just kind of looking at this roster healthy going into the season, I'm thinking it's about a, a nine-man rotation? I don't I don't know if Guzanich really gets no, much, no. much yeah. run. Nine would even
1: be a stretch for me. I think Akizuli will kind of get the Eli Stalger minutes from last year. There will be some games where he doesn't play, I would think.
0: All right, well, he's not going to play this year, but Derek White has received a lot of hype this preseason, a lot of it generated by Tad Boyle, talking about how he's a professional player, he just doesn't know what level. Uh, are you guys buying, buying or selling this, this hype on Derek White?
1: Well, I mean, I'll buy that he's a professional player because oh, most of the people who start in college are, can go play in Europe. I mean, Levi Knutson got six figures to go play in Europe. I love Levi I mean, Knutson. Yeah, Easy. I mean, Right. Well, that's what I mean. He's <laughs> yeah. a starter. Yeah. He's yeah. a starter on a college team. So I, I think that that's reasonable to say that he's a professional. But um, beyond that, I haven't seen him yet, so I hope the hype is real.
0: We've got to um, be kind of careful about what we talk about from preseason practices. But I've been to three, and in two of them, he was the best player on the court, yep, yep. including the guy that's number one on our top buffs countdown list. Yeah, uh, yeah,
2: all three of the ones that I went to, he was the best player on the court. Well, there you, I mean, if that if that turns
1: out to be the case, he's gonna be really good here. So he, that's awesome. He would,
2: but if he was able to play this year, it would fix a lot of issues with this team. It's, it really would. It's hard. It's like I feel bad for Tadwell, and he even said it makes him sick to his stomach <laughs> that he doesn't play this year. And like I can totally understand because he must just watch and practice, and be like, oh god. It would be so amazing if he could play this year.
0: I hate the fact that, too, you get overlooked as a recruit, so you have to go to a lower-level college. You prove that you're better than that, and you get an opportunity to go up to a Pac-12 program, and you still got to sit. Yeah, that doesn't seem right to me.
2: It's not like he just decided, oh, you know, I'm at uh, Akron, but, you know, Oregon is going to be good this year, so I want to go play for them, or whatever. It's not like he... um, Made the wrong decision out of high school or something like that, and he's just trying to t- capitalize now. It's like he earned the right to come play at the Division One level. He does not. He, he shouldn't have to sit out a year. The whole reason they t- they made the sit out a year rule is so guys can't just go wherever they want, whenever they want. Yeah. This is different to me. Yeah, I agree. It, it seems like it's a totally different conversation
1: when it's a guy coming up from Division Two to play Division One. It almost seems like he's getting punished for being good enough to play at this level and trying to, you know. Do the do whatever he can to make himself to give himself a career down the line. I mean, obviously, playing for a big power Division One program is better for your career than playing in a Division Two program. I and mean, I think it's always okay. been a dream for
2: him. He's, right, like, yeah. he's living his dream. Yeah, and so it's because oh, he could have gone, yeah. gone and played. In, he could have gone and played. In, he could have finished his year at UCCS and then gone and played in Europe. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think coming to CU is going to boost his stock. It'll give them more confidence with the level of play that he goes against. But yeah, I think he'll have more options. Right, playing D one. Yeah, it's kind of, it's a, it sounds like we're just, it's a bummer for the team. It's really just a bummer for the kid.
0: Yeah. On a scale of 1 to 10, how much pressure is Tad Boyle on the, in this season?
2: Uh, very little
1: to me. Scale uh, it
0: for me. Two. Okay.
1: Um, I, There are very low expectations. I talked about that earlier being a good thing for them. I don't think they're going to be atrocious. And if they fire Tad Boyle after going 500.
0: <laughs> I don't no, necessarily mean in, in terms of suit. hot seat. I'm saying just. In general, just in general, pressure—not like you're on the hot seat I think, pressure.
1: I think he's there's more pressure on him to recruit better than this team to play better.
0: That's why I gave it a three, just one more than you, for the simple fact that they missed out on those those bigs yeah. that they hosted, and now you're going in. You're going to have to go. Now I do like Peters, the the guard commit that they got. I think that's an upgrade over uh, Cameron Satterwhite in terms of what he can bring to the mix. But you got to find some kind of replacement for Josh Scott. You didn't get any of your early targets. Yeah, where, where Are you going to go back over to, to Europe? Or how, how are you going to be able to fill it? Yeah, they
1: probably hit the transfer trail, I would think. I mean, there's so many in college basketball these days. There's always going to be a big body out there available to you. Um, that's where you're going to have to go because, I mean, the only other kid left standing in the recruiting trail is a kid that's not coming for two years. That doesn't help us. I'm, I'm a little concerned. Uh, I don't know why they're really going after him at this point anyway. Two years down the line is really difficult. In football, you can do that because players develop so much more slowly, you're gonna have a completely different team in two years than you do now, recruiting a kid who's coming off a Mormon mission. So that's just a much more difficult piece to fit into the puzzle for me. Um, So they gotta find a kid who can help them now, obviously.
2: Yeah, um, I'd say three, four. I think if they really strongly underachieve this year, um, recruiting doesn't pick up again, then I think next year there's a ton of pressure. So I think the pressure is to, to keep the pressure off.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, well, we uh, are going to make our regular season uh, record predictions now. There's 31 games, 13 non-conference, 18 Pac-12. Obviously, this is before the Pac-12 tournament. Can't—it's impossible to just predict all that stuff because you don't know where they're going to seed, who they're going to match up against. So, what do you guys have in terms of uh, a record prediction?
2: Um, I, I think my record prediction is going to upset some people, or you know, we're um, not get people too high, but. Just when I look at the schedule, I just—they're uh, always gonna, to me, have a disappointing loss at home in the preseason. Um, I see that as that BYU game on December twelfth. Um, I don't think they're winning any, in either of the first two games. Um, I think they'll win that five-game homestand in the middle, um, and then win some games in Las Vegas. But when it all breaks down, I look at you know uh, an eight and five non-conference in, in those first first thirteen games, uh, and then um, I just. It's, it just comes down to being able to score the ball. To me, it just seems so easy to take Josh Scott out of the picture and, and watch this team struggle to shoot the ball. And so when I look at the conference slate, I just don't see much better or really anything better than they did last year. And I, I see them going 7-11 in conference for uh, 15, 15 and 16 overall. Yeah, sadly, I'm pretty much right in line with that. Um, I have them
1: at 9-4 and four in the non-conference and 7-11 and in the Pac-12. To me, it has a lot to do with what he said. Um, Unless we see people step up, which they haven't done before, it's just too easy to guard this basketball team right now. And to me, it's tough to beat teams you're better than when that's the case. You can play as good a defense as you want. We obviously didn't do very much of that last year. But if you can't score, more often than not, you're not going to win. So I think there's definitely potential for this team to win a couple more games than that for sure, make the NIT maybe be on the bubble. Um, but a lot of things have to go right and it's hard to predict that for me in, in, a, in a sport where more often than not you you know what you're getting um, on the court. There's there's less improvement I guess I would say than in football let's say over the course of your career for the most part. Um, so so right now I'm kind of taking that conservative approach which I know is not unusual for me. Um, and so I think that I am 16 and 15 overall is where I have
0: it. Right okay. I'm uh, with you guys with a 7-11 and 11 conference mark this season. I'm a little bit more bullish on their their non-conference uh, potential. I have them at 10-3 and 3 non-conference play for a 17-14 and 14 record. Uh, a lot of this comes down to just simply one of the points you made earlier on, Tyler, is you could tell last year's team didn't like playing together. I think this year's team does. So a lot of the – when they faced the adversity last year and then they really folded as a team, I feel like they're going to be – be able to step up to a lot more challenges this season than they were last year.
2: This, this just comes down to two total games for all of us, though, and it's all yeah. in the non-conference. I think that they're going to lose to. I think they're going to lose to Iowa State, Auburn, Colorado State. I just I have a bad feeling about them going to Fort Collins. We've seen it unfold a bunch of times. Um, BYU, and then the championship of the Las Vegas Classic. So there's five losses. All that's changing for Adam is he thinks they're going to win Colorado State and BYU, I'm assuming, and all that's changing for you is you're thinking that they're going to win Colorado State. Yeah, for me,
1: yeah, exactly. I have a split between Auburn and Colorado State, and you have them losing both of those. Right. So that's that's really the big
2: difference for me. Adam, is that what you had? You had...
0: I had to go shut the door because there was a, we're at a community center here and there was a baby making noise out there. So. <laughs> what's what's going yeah. on? Fill me in.
2: I was just saying that this comes down to two games: Colorado and B, Colorado State and BYU. I think they're going to lose both of them. Tyler thinks they're going one and one. You think they're going two and zero?
0: Oh? Uh, I think they might uh, pull off a, an upset against Auburn. Okay, as was where yeah. Kind of I yeah, mine,
1: I had BYU as a loss on me, and I had, oh so Auburn. I okay. had I had Auburn or CSU. I think they'll win one of those two. Um, and that would give me one more win than you. I, I do think though, it's ten and three is altogether possible as well for me. It really, you know, we'll know pretty quickly whether or not this team is better than last year, um, and whether or not they're, you know, they had they they fit together a little bit more easily. I'm um, just noticing
2: that that Auburn game is at one p.m. on a Tuesday. Yeah, it's part of the Oh, the tip, tip off tomorrow. I'll okay. take
0: that over the eleven o'clock start.
2: <laughs> no, I mean it's just I was like, who's going to be there?
1: Who's going to watch this? <laughs> Yeah, it's part of the tip-off marathon again, which is kind of weird. I don't know why they did the exact same matchup two years in a row. Like, they usually try to get different people in those, I
0: thought. I have no idea. Whatever, I'll take it. They're they're willing to play at 1 p.m. on a Tuesday. Yeah, it's a cool (laughs) event.
1: I actually thought Auburn was supposed to be good this year, but from everything that I've heard, they're not as good as I was expecting. So it's it's a possible win. You you can talk about the RPI. Get work off. We're watching all 24 hours. I'm always off on Tuesday, so all whether right. it starts Monday night or not, I'll have to find out. We're getting all you twenty. Can, we're doing I all mean, twenty-four here's hours. Here's the thing: Monday night is slow, so feel free to show up at nine p.m. on Monday, and you can just sit with me at the bar all night, and then go back to your crib. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Energy so we'll, drinks, we'll, five we'll, hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do, I do like watching most of it. I think last year I caught everything except the. There was three games. Was, the next day, I missed a game, and there was two. Uh, we I went to bed after the uh, our
2: game. Yeah, I wasn't watching the like seven a.m. game. Yeah,
0: with both the NBA and college basketball, I, I I get really angry that it starts as early as it does because there's such a long time from when spring ball ends yeah. until camp starts. To, mm-hmm. There's this huge void in the year, and it's like. I want to be sitting down watching more basketball this time of year. And even like I was mentioning to you guys, I've done less research on other Pac-12 basketball teams, other you know the non-conference opponents that Colorado has this year, than seemingly any year in the past. I just have not been able to get up for it this year like yeah, previous see, years. I,
1: I see it a little differently. I actually like the college basketball schedule. I understand that they want to make it a one-semester sport. like That makes sense to me, but March is the perfect time for the tournament because it's right before baseball starts. Everything else is over. You're you're in the re, NBA regular season, so it's like the spotlight is on it. If you move both sports, you're going to be competing with each other. I would well, The like NBA to see, playoffs
0: should be pushed back a little bit too. No, why, uh, why that, I, would,
1: I want to see the NBA play. The so NBA have, move so that they're pushed farther back throughout the whole summer,
2: and then you have something awesome throughout. So, so, so you just you push them both back and have, uh, like it would just it would be May Madness is what it would be. And yeah, but I it's, think it's perfect in March because it's the only thing going on. But it'll st- college
1: basketball would still be going on. Yeah, but it's not the same. It's like the NBA I want to move back because they, they're competing with football for no reason when the, – the NBA regular season, they do, they're they not trying.
0: They but why, why is people, college
2: basketball competing with college football? Why do the Buffs play a game on New Year's Day when there's going to be bowl games all day? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just <laughs> the, the NBA, I think, moving farther along
1: would be the best possible scenario. So they're separated as well. That's what I would like to see. But.
0: Dollar, do you expect the Pac-12 to be uh, – more competitive than it's been in recent years or less competitive? How do you see Um, that?
1: I would say it will be similarly competitive to last year, but what I think is fun is that you're going to see a lot of new teams being in in those competitive slots. Um, Cal last year was 7-11 in conference. They're going to be really good this year. Mm -hmm. They've got a lot of talented freshmen. Um, I think Oregon State, for the first time in a long time, is going to be above five hundred in conference play.
0: They got everybody back, didn't they, Oregon State?
1: they're, They're not necessarily a fun team to watch. Uh, their their style, but they but Gary Payton Jr. Him, him, the third the second, junior, junior yeah, I forget I think he's the second, whatever. Um, uh, <laughs> it's the same is, as Junior It's a whole yeah. lot. I know I don't know why it's different, but is is really a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, but they they, they keep games really low key. But I think it'll be cool to see them kind of take a step up. Um, I feel like UCLA and Oregon are getting slept on a little bit this year. I'm a little surprised by how little hype, especially Oregon, is getting because they get a lot of people back as well. Yeah, People um, obviously liked – I'm totally spacing on his name. Joseph Young. Joseph Young, yeah. Joseph Young a lot, and they think maybe that he'll be a big piece of them being gone, but they have a lot of talented kids on that basketball team, and I'd be really surprised if they um, finish – I think a couple people I've seen them have them finishing fifth, which is – that's crazy to me. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but, yeah, I, see, I think you'll see a few – um, different names. I think it's a little tighter at the top this year. Arizona is not the clear favorite to me. Um, they've got some question marks. I think Cal, despite having a lot of talent, has some question marks. So I think um, I see Utah dropping back a little bit, honestly, this year. So to me, it's a four team race between UCLA, Oregon, Cal, and Arizona. I think all of them have a pretty good chance to win the league.
0: They haven't come out with the odds for the CU Iowa State game yet, have they? We don't no. Know.
1: I thought you were going to ask if they did the conference odds. Those are out. Like the odds to win the conference yeah. and all that, but I haven't or seen the a line. Set. They were eighth. I forget what the number was, but okay. they were eighth. Yeah, which is that's cool. Yeah. I'm totally fine. I I buy that 100. percent I think that's the right spot. Seven to eight, somewhere in there. Yeah,
0: Seven I do like the fact nine. that they're the expectations from the outside are so low. Yeah, yeah team. I love it. I think Ted Boyle's yeah. team like just seems more comfortable with teams. Having people doubt them.
1: Yeah, but I was, I was telling Ryan a little bit before the show, UCLA and Oregon, that I, I think there's going to be a lot of money on them to win the league this year because the value they're getting is ridiculous in my eyes.
0: So 7-11 in the conference. That's slate. what we
1: finished last year, and we were the – what were we last year? Seven. 10 seed? 10. No, way. 10, really? yeah. yeah. We played – well, we were tied with Cal and Washington State at 7-11, so I think we lost the tiebreakers. And we played, yeah, Oregon State, 7 We were the 10. And then we played Oregon, who was the 2. Yeah, that's right.
0: Tied for 8th, 10th seed. So, yeah, they lost out Mm -hmm. on the tiebreakers.
1: Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so 7-11 will put you in that same exact spot this year, most likely. There's a couple teams that are going to be down the list. Man, I don't...
2: When you look at it that way, it sounds really bad saying that they... I mean, I know they finished 8th, but, like, technically they finished 10th. Yeah. That's pretty bad.
1: Yeah. It was was rough. But I I was actually kind of happy that they finished 10th because... I thought that was the easiest road. Road, yeah, but we, yeah, and I mean it was. It, they, they almost beat Oregon. I mean they pulled away at the very end there, but that, I mean Oregon State was obviously the matchup that you wanted in that first round. It took care of them. So, but yeah, I mean it was it was rough last year. <laughs> you forget. It yeah, I honestly, I honestly we started two and zero in league, finished five and eleven.
0: I looked down at the recorder thing, and we were talking for about forty five minutes. Of course, we went way longer than uh, we expected to, as always. Uh, we're at 70, 73 minutes now. Oh,
1: really? Wow. I was going to sign
0: off, but one thing, we we got to talk real quick, though, about Xavier Johnson and whether he, we, CU fans should even really want him to rush back. And I guess part of that depends on how they do non conference. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I think that's a big part
1: of it. I just I can't see how you. God, the Achilles injury, for whatever reason, is the one that just, like, I cringe when I think about it. Adam's I can't, definitely I I cringe. Cries. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you as well, having to actually go through it. I can't imagine being back. And able to, I, I can imagine being like functional, but being able to play Pac 12 basketball is a different thing. And I just can't imagine that being the smartest thing for him.
0: I can tell you from experience, and now I didn't have the resources that XJ has in terms of the training staff and all that. The, the you, From an Achilles, you seem to get back to like 85, 90%. Uh, I wouldn't say quickly, There's, it's still a lengthy process, but you get to that range, and then to get from 85 to 90% to 100% takes a really long time. It's like that last bit and it's so what you you try to do is you think that you're good enough. You think that you can come back. And not even knowing it, you're 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 compensated a little bit. You run a little bit differently, even though you don't notice you're doing it. And then you have other issues, injury issues. You saw with Kobe Bryant as an example of that. Um, I, I agree, like I just think for Xavier Johnson's just basketball future, there's nothing to really gain from rushing back from this injury. There's so much more to lose.
2: Yeah. Not to mention, if he did want to come back next year, um, then you're looking at a team with you know, Derek White, John, Dom Collier as an upperclassman, uh, XJ back, Wes Gordon as a senior, the, the Trey team, George King right. I mean, Josh the team looks, will be back as well. The team looks pretty good next year. It's not like he has to try and this is his, you know get in there with the last chance for the team to do anything before everything kind of falls apart. Yeah, I mean, your only question mark on that team is going
1: to be you have no big man. I mean, right. you could say Tory's a big man, but he's not. I mean, he's uh, six seven. Tory and Wes. But, yeah, you you want a guy who's six ten. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, if they're doing really well throughout the non-conference, maybe you don't want to disrupt the chemistry. And then if you're doing, yeah. if you're struggling non-conference, you know, at that What's point, your, just save his yeah, year of yeah, eligibility.
1: I mean, you, yeah. The other argument is if you're doing really well, do you bring him back to make a tournament Right, thing, it's, it's tough it's Honestly tough. It's tough the biggest question
2: him. here is Does Xavier Johnson want to stay around and, and, and go through a whole year of school And all that stuff all over again That's yeah. up to him
0: I was surprised uh, for the first practice To see him just walk out there with No crutches yeah. No uh, you know cast or anything on that, that Achilles So he's clearly uh, Recovered faster than I was doing That's pretty remarkable that he's able to walk around yeah, that's Already here so
2: when did that take place? June.
0: Yeah. You're our expert on this. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: I think that sounds right. I, I, I don't. I'll have to look back. It was in the summer, obviously. It was, before, it was long mean, before, dude, before football started. Stuff. Yeah, it was before Josh Tupo got suspended. Yep. yep. I think it was even before Derek White came, right? No, because that happened before. That happened during the school year. Oh, it did. Okay. We never did
0: find out why Xavier Johnson didn't want that information out, right? No. I mean, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but it's like it seemed like that injury occurred a couple of weeks before you reported it, right, Ryan? Yeah,
2: and he was not upset that it was reported. Or, I mean, he was not happy that it was
0: reported. Yeah, I mean, you're you're walking around Boulder with a you know a walking boot on. I mean, no, he was in a, He wasn't even
2: walking. He was on a scooter.
0: Yeah. People are gonna ask questions and it's gonna it's gonna, come, it's gonna out. come out. I
2: mean, I don't know if he thought that he was gonna be able to hide that for the whole year. Like obviously people would have by the time we started covering practices we would have known Xavier Johnson is an out. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah.
0: Well, moving on, uh, to uh another basketball season. I, talking about it for as long as we did, I think I'm getting excited about it, Tyler. I'm kinda joining you here.
2: Yeah. How are you gonna feel if they lose 91-53 to 53 on Friday.
0: Not very exciting. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, I mean, I this is the thing that's tough about this schedule
1: is I really hope that I don't see people freaking out when we lose to Iowa State. Like, come on, man. The Iowa State is, like, is
2: really good. A loss is one thing. I'm just, it's going to kill a lot of my feelings towards this team if they shoot, you know, 33% and, and I they can't make any open shots.
1: The first game for me, we could be playing Shadron State, and I hate the first game.
2: Right. It's I, always I,
1: ugly. Like, I don't know. I don't put much stock in the first game of basketball season. You've got to get into a rhythm a little bit. It's, I try not to get too worried about what they, I mean, in the
2: to first me, game. you don't need to see them win. I just need to see the guys that, we, that we've heard about being playmakers make plays. Yeah. I mean, Josh Scott up. is not going to be doubled, I would assume. I would assume Iowa State is, is confident enough in their guys to go straight up with him. So see Josh Scott uh, make noise against a good team. Things like that, you know, George King make a couple plays, bring in some rebounds, show me that you can make a shot.
1: Yeah, the the Niang Josh Scott matchup is going to be yeah cardboard jumping battle. It's yeah. going to be fun.
0: I just want to see guy gets an open shot, take
1: the shot. Yeah, it's a good improvement over last year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously, you want if they played a good game against Iowa State, that would be awesome. Right, it'd be huge. But I, if it doesn't happen, I'm I'm not going to be freaking out.
0: All right, well that wraps it up here. Thanks for hanging with us for this entire 80 minutes. Hopefully some of you stuck around and uh we'll see. It could be it could be an interesting season this year for the the Tad Boyle program. Again, I feel like when the expectations are low, for some reason, they, they find a way to exceed those expectations. Thanks for tuning in. Basketball is my favorite sport. I like the way to dribble up and down the court. Just like I'm the king on the microphone. So it's Dr. J and Moses
1: Malone. I like slam dumps and taking it to the hoop. My favorite play is the
0: alley. Ooh. I like the pick and roll. I like the give and go. Cause it's basketball but Mr. Kirch's Club. <laughs>